What a weekend it has been for Everton Football Club. They played Brighton on Saturday and secured a fantastic point, but could have been more. And now you look at the league table and they're five points better off than they were on Saturday morning. Happy days. Welcome to the Big Kickoff Football Show in a week where Jurgen Klopp secures more silverware for Liverpool Football Club. Everton are moving up the table and Alfonso Davis verbally agrees a 70 million move away from Munich. My name is Roy Shanahan and I'm joined by David Buggle and Neil Dobbs from thebigkickoff.com. And Dave, you might think Liverpool had something to celebrate over the weekend, but would you rather an EFL Cup or five extra points in the Premier League? Uh... Oh yeah, definitely taking extra five points in the Premier League. <laughs> uh, I'd rather it was the league. You're supposed to say yeah. you have to be looking for them trophies. These are the moments that you remember. <laughs> I know. Don't get me wrong. Like, trophies are trophies, and hopefully it's the catalyst for the rest of the season. But it was shadow of a doubt. But you know, with the with the season that it is, it'd be just great to bookend uh, Klopp's era with the league title. So in that sense, yeah. But yeah, I presume we're obviously going to talk about everyone. But it was shadow of a doubt. It's a great thing for them. However, you know. I just can't help but feel it because another six points is coming. So don't get too excited. And it's—I just can't help but feel that that's why it's coming. Forest are, uh, are are getting their hearing next week, so they'll probably get their uh, um, uh, get their punishment. And obviously, it's it's off the back of the fact that they want the punishment in the season that it's in or whatever as quick as possible because it's not fair that they kind of get them the year after. So as much as it is a great thing there is potentially more charges so I just have a funny feeling instead of 10 and another 10 it could be 6 and another 6 so that's, that's just my feeling as soon as I heard it the reduction Neil how did they work these points out because it just seems to be make it up on the spot and see if everyone's happy Ah no. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say they make it up I, it, it is a weird one that they overthrow it and then as Dave said there's this thing looming whether there will be more points and now like you're reading there to see than that Possibly uh, when the season ends, there could be some sort of embargo going on where teams could be relegated after the fact, which is a worrying thing if it does happen. Um, I mean, obviously Everton were given it in the new year, given their news, and then we're in February now, and then they have Forest only next week, and then they might be going back for Everton again. It's very, very messy, um, and it does feel a little bit makey-uppy. It's kind of like, listen, yeah, we thought it was 10, now it's 6. So I don't know how they put a points to offence ratio or who Can was I give more you about their reason why? Yeah, do. Do. So the commission uh, they deemed were wrong to punish Everton for being less than frank over what it told the Premier League about the new stadium debt. So the appeal board also said that the commission was wrong not to take into account available benchmarks and that a six-point sanction was broadly in line with the English Football League guidelines when Sheffield Wednesday were given a six point deduction in twenty twenty when their losses were rising used when when their losses were rising should they should have been used as a guide. So that's where the appeal board were kinda of going, right, look, this kinda of happened before and it was six points, so that's where they think that's where it should be. Is that's, that is, does that not say, Dave, though, that they are making it up? Because they should have used that as a guideline. So it sounds like they're just making up these point differences and then They've kind of got uh, sorted uh, out in the end. But, 
Potentially, but it's EFL and EPL, so obviously Premier League probably don't bother looking down beneath their, down their noses at others. And now that, you know, the appeal board has come alive, maybe that's where it's coming from. But, like I said, it's just a good instinct. I, I might be bang on the money or way off. I just can't have a feel there is a little deduction because I think, unfortunately, there's another one coming. That's just a feeling. And if it's two sixes, it's a 12-point deduction. It still gives them a fighting chance because, mark my words, the Premier League want that want that ground in the Premier League next season. My, my words. Yeah, I Neil, I can't agree anymore with Dave because it does seem that they're going to get something else. I'm not totally sure, and maybe Dave can point it out, but I'm not totally sure on what the second breaches are. Mm. But if it's if it's getting like this on an ongoing basis, I've seen this in over in Italy where you know, Juventus were deducted points, then they weren't deducted points, then they were. And it, it kind of makes a mockery of, of the league during it. Is there any other way do you think that they could do it or is this the best way to do it? Um, I, I, well, the most worrying thing with me is that they delay it after the end of the season. Whatever about doing it now and handing out six points and then handing out another six points, there should be a very, very... like I mean, this is huge, right? This is the biggest we've ever seen insofar as actually stepping in, obviously City aside, and making a decision and enforcing it. Number one, to backtrack, and I'll also add like Reed Everton's statement is in the statement from the club they seem kind of happy oh yeah listen six points is great they're not coming out and going we're still outraged we think it's a disgrace and should be zero so they seem to be even accepting that it's six points uh, how they'll feel about it when it's 12 but there should be a standard of you've done so much over the financial fair play equals this obviously the insolvency equals uh, whatever it is the nine point uh, deduction there should be a standardised method because let's say for example five clubs fall foul of it you want all five clubs to be treated exactly the same way that like that after the, uh, the, the event happens at the end of the season Forest can't turn around and go well earth, uh, breaches are the same as Everton's we got X amount of points and they got X amount of points it should be absolutely standardised for everybody um, and the crime should fit the punishment. Yeah, absolutely. Dave, Man City should probably be deducted two hundred points if, if if everything comes true. It seems it seems strange how that one's going to linger on. Um, it did. Everything yeah. did did have in their statement that the the club made the commission aware, including the position under the relevant EFL regulations and the nine point deduction that is imposed under the Premier League's own rules in the event of insolvency. So this is where they went to gauge that their 10 points was ridiculous compared to if they yeah. went insolvent. So, but as Neil said, they they should have X amount of points. Everyone should know before it happens that they're risking three points here or six points here or nine points, as yeah. it says there. Yeah, and that's maybe, maybe that's where this might something might come from this like this basic rule of the 105 million and I know they're looking at that going it's probably a bit harsh now because the amount of money that's been made or whatever but maybe that's what it could be first time it's six second time it's I don't know nine, twelve whatever it may be and they set their style out a little bit to make it more transparent because in fairness everything we're fairly upfront and honest about it and they kind of got hit with a hammer blow of 10 points so maybe it's a bit more reasonable and fair now at this stage but yeah I think it's I think it goes out saying the most common sense thing is right this could be a common charge over the next few years. We need to kind of set our stall out and put in 
putting the actual sanction or the actual penalty in the rules as well. Otherwise, we're going to doubt it and question it. And yeah. when City only get 15 points or something, we'll be all like this typical corruption, bullshit, and all that kind of crap, you know? Yeah. Go on, there is a little unfair, Roy, in the likes of New, uh, Luton, Brentford, who are fighting for their lives mm. there tonight. So, obviously, Brentford are pulled back into the race here. They're 25 now with Everton. Uh, Luton, who have done nothing wrong, but they're in with a fighting chance, albeit uh, 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 an outside bet. I think Burnley and Sheffield United are gone. But it's a very unfair in Luton when one minute they're thinking to themselves, right, we've got to get X amount of points to get ourselves out of trouble. And then within a weekend, something's happened and they've lost five points. Like, it's... I think it's definitely unfair that it's not decided. It should be parts of the season where these things are done and then it should be all wrapped up and people should know, you know, by the last few days of the season, last few games, they should know well in advance that this is the way it's going to be. And if for everything to get it overturned and get a little bit back, who's to say there's another appeal or another sanction or something going to come that something else might change out of Luton's favour? So I think that's very unfair and then going forward as well. Yeah, I think... The likes of those, Neil, have to just look at the league table as if there's no deductions and then work off that. So uh, I'd say they're doing that anyhow. It is unfair. Uh, Everyone reading it, looking at a table and the longer it goes on, the more realistic it becomes. And then all of a sudden, boom, everything go five points clear of whoever it is. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. But we'd rather, as you said, have it all done and dusted before the end of the season that no one thinks they're staying up and then all of a sudden they get relegated or vice versa. So, um, yeah, I think that they need to address that and, and fix that one. Now, Neil, we'll start with you on the cup final, I suppose. How do you think it really went? Who do you think deserved to win it? And uh, I know your answer will probably be, I don't give a shit, Liverpool won it. <laughs> um, I don't know I'd say for the neutral Roy I couldn't see it being a great game as far as someone want, you know when you watch a final that your club is not in you want goals you want drama etc this one for me um, I think the game started off fairly straightforward I think Liverpool are just more comfortable in their own skin and the way they play in the formation um, from my perspective we really enjoyed it as far as I thought we looked fairly dangerous Um down the flanks as said Louis Diaz he's not my favourite player and he, his finishing leaves a lot to be desired but you can't argue that the guy puts in a serious shift so most of Liverpool's going to attack him down the left hand side um, they had a good balance for the team everything was grand then he had a little change when um, Gravin Birch got injured uh, it was a little bit of kind of I won't say banter but it was a little bit of kind of shithousery I would say with, with uh, Chilwell you know winding up the, the, the young lads and you know, it added to the game. It was really good, very interesting. And it wasn't a kind of a, I wouldn't say it was a boring nil-all draw. There was a lot of drama going on. But yet, none of the two teams seemed to be able to score. They kept hitting the post. And with my Irish cap on, it was brilliant to watch Cuevy and Kelleher make some cracking saves. And not just, they were absolute top draw. The one where he came out and Gallagher was a superb stop. And then the shot, I think it was from Sterling or... Um, it was at the end, and the, the one where he said, Palmer, what a save. And then he, I think he got a clip with it on his foot as well. So it had a little bit of everything from an Irish perspective that you wanted him to come have that big game, something to really propel him. And that could be a, a big, big moment that game for Keller and the fact that he's deputised for Alison Becker. And as they were saying, look, Alison Becker wasn't missed, which is obviously the greatest compliment. Um, but yeah, I just thought Liverpool. They just had that thing about them. The thing with Klopp, the thing in leaving, the nostalgia. 
Now, in elite sports, it doesn't always end well for people that go out at that level at the top. But for this, you just felt it was kind of written, especially cup games. You just felt written. They were going to get something. Then you had Van Dijk's goal disallowed. And then Van Dijk's goal in the last minute to deny a penalty shootout. But what a great way to kind of finish up. So I had it all for me insofar as I don't think it was a great game for the, the, the neutral. But for the fan to win it in that manner in the last minute where they can't really get a reply is, is pretty sweet. It really is. Lesser Chelsea supporter, obviously. Um, yeah. Well, Dave, listen, it's Liverpool. Yeah. Everyone's talking about the youngsters, but they are playing at Chelsea who are mid-table. So it probably balances yeah. itself out there. If you look yeah. at Chelsea, they had probably 15, 20 minutes maybe where those saves that Neil were talking about that was their opportunity yeah. to win it. Once that passed, they didn't really look in, in, in the game at all. Yeah, the nerves kicked in. Yeah, no. They had the better chances. As much as probably overall it was a 50-50 game, their chances are better than Liverpool. But uh, we might as well get to the Neville part. It was the, it was the, once it got to the business then near the end of the 90 minutes and then the, 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 the 30 minutes of the extra time, they were more than happy and play, seemed to be playing for the penalties, which was very surprising mm-hmm. considering the only kind of established uh, substitute that Liverpool has is Joe Gomez, and he was already on. And the rest of them were the kids, so they were the only ones coming on. So that should have given them even more confidence. And the fact that it didn't is what would be worrying if I was Pochettino looking forward or ahead uh, beyond this season and, 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 and what where where he's going to go. Uh, and our beloved Jackson as well looked yeah, we still don't know what type of player he is. He just didn't offer anything in that game. But yeah, I'd be worried if I was them. Um, Gallagher looked like he was limping, hence why he was brought off, I presume and hope. But there was one or two others that came off who I was a bit surprised of if, if the penalties were coming and they seemed to put on whatever. But look, yeah, um, I can see why Neville made the, the comment and I, I kind of understand why he did because Chelsea should have Chelsea's confidence should have been on the rise instead of on the on the way down and what we have we hold against a very inexperienced well, five or six players who really it, it, it levels it off if not gave them the extra percent maybe to, 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 to be the, the favourite team and, and again the game at the end, at the end. so a, a very worrying sign for me for Pochettino with, with, with the squad he has and the confidence and the fragility of them at the moment what do Chelsea Neil do with Pochettino? Is this something where they've brought him in? They know that the players there aren't good enough because they they haven't been, they haven't proven anything at all, really. Even if their games they're winning, you know, they're they're not blowing teams away. So, is this something where they brought a manager in expecting him to work miracles with them, or is it, do you think a chance for Pochettino to work with the club? And to try and get the right players in. Um, I, I think at this point, yeah. Well, from Chelsea's perspective, with the turnover of managers and their inability to get something out of this squad, albeit I know it was larger this time last year. But when you see Potter bouncing out the door now, Pochettino coming in, um, when you look at the players that he has there on paper, it still looks like a squad that can be that can be moulded, that can change, that can grow. But just this was a big, big setback for them. Um, they should have, I'm not saying they should have won this game, but they should have been better in this game and given themselves a better chance, in particular in the extra time. They should have tried to go out there a little bit more, you know, a little bit more guts and, and really take it to Liverpool. And I mean, look, it's a missed opportunity no matter what way you look at it. 
Um, for me, the biggest issue for Chelsea is, and we were discussing it, everyone in work today, I guess, um, you look at what they've spent on Casado and Fernandez in particular. You have 220 million, whatever it is, worth of two, set, two sixes. And in my opinion, watching that match, Casado left the mark on the game more so because he was more abrasive. He was on the ball more. He broke up Gravenberg. So he kind of could say, I, I ticked a few boxes today. Whereas Endo Fernandez was, was anonymous, absolutely anonymous. And um, mm. to be able to turn around and say that Endo was the better of them, despite the price difference. And so you can't overlook price difference, Roy. How many times does a club buy a 100 million player and not get a 100 million value out of them? And that's the biggest problem for me with Chelsea. They've a massive, uh, they've, they've spent a bumper amount on these two guys. They're not delivering. That should give you a platform. If I was to say to you, Man United, Arsenal, Liverpool, whoever it would be, go and spend 100 million and 100 million. Arsenal did it, bam. Declan Roy delivers, yeah, delivers week in, week out. And Chelsea have bought two lads that really are not up to that price tag. And then you can throw in Jackson on top of that. You can throw in Mudrick on top of that. Um, you know, just you got in Cuckoo. Every time he comes on, throws himself in the ground, hasn't shown anything yet. I know he's been injured, but it's it's very worrying that you're buying these players and they're not fitting the system and they're not benefiting the team. And ultimately, Pochettino will be the one to suffer and another manager is going to be in there next year, maybe. And I, I can't see the problem going away. So they're either going to have to stick or twist. They should probably give them more time based on the amount yeah. of managers. More time, over. Neil, or... They have to change those players and take the, the hit. I think they 100% have to change. The likes of Jackson, uh, Sterling doesn't have a whole lot left in the tank for me. They need another good centre-back as soon as Thiago will probably go at the end of the year. He's getting too old. Full-backs, they're not too bad. And then, yeah, they, 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 they can change the call of that team. But, like, remember only a few weeks ago, right, they were talking about selling Conor Gallagher to make room and, and the financial fair play etc so mm. because of the 200 million midfielders can they do that but I think there's a few players that are, are just not good enough to take them to the next level yeah now they're going to be in a little bit of trouble uh, there is rumours of um, they're flirting with this financial fair play and if they want to buy, they're probably going to have to sell. It's it's going to be tight for them uh, in the summer, and the future looks a little bit bleak. You know, I'm a, I'm a Manchester United fan. Um, I wouldn't like to be in Chelsea's position. I'd rather be in Manchester United's position yeah. at the moment, which is a little bit of hope. Uh, there doesn't seem to be much hope there at Chelsea. Okay, Dave Alfonso Davis verbally agreed a seventy million pound, well not pound, euro move away from Bayern Munich. Real Madrid seem to have snapped them up. What do you make of that? Hmm. He's been rumoured the odd time with them all right, so not too surprising. Um, <sighs> you know, he's a good player, there's no two ways about it, but maybe there's a bit of a David, uh, David Alaba feeling off him as well, because he went to Real Madrid as well. This did. Team, I don't think it's quite kind of worked out there, so that's why I wouldn't if I was a Real Madrid fan, I wouldn't be overly excited, if you know what I mean, compared to others that have come in and the potential of, I'd be more concerned going, making sure we get, um, they, they, they get Mbappe in because they get him in, you know, I, do, I think the rest of it can look after itself because that's a massive, that's a massive uh, windfall for them for, for them to really solidify up front. 
uh, with the likes of Vinicius Junior and the potential of this Hendrick guy who's coming in at 18 years of age to see what his potential is going to be. Is he going to be the next uh, Brazilian superstar? Yeah. So well, the thing with the Davies, things with Davis though, he is younger than Alaba is going there. I think he's 23, isn't yeah. he? So there, he they can still mould him. Exactly, exactly. So it could work out, it, you know. But as I said, I wouldn't be overly excited as of yet because the defensive side of things, it would be more kind of you tie up the French lad up, up front and let him mould himself over the year or two. We won't be worried about him, if you know what I mean. Mm. He, he can settle himself in because I think getting somebody like uh, Mbappé in can kind of solidify them up top for another year or two domestically that the Davies can see whether he's good enough to, to mix it with the big boys. Absolutely. Neil, Mbappé... Alfonso Davis. They probably can't buy too many more if they do <laughs> take them too. But then again, there doesn't seem to be anything about financial fair play with Real Madrid. They seem to be, you know, free of any of these sort of financial rules. Yeah, it, it was it was a couple of people, well, high profile people saying last week that, you know, when Mbappe was going to go to Madrid, that no one seems to be blinking an eyelid. If he went to uh, City or went to one of the oil-based clubs, I call them, um, there would have been an outrage, there would have been sports washing, there would have been financial fair play, etc. Madrid just seemed to write their own check and they do what they want. Like, I mean, you would imagine if they buy Mbappe, that would literally bankrupt you for two to three years and the wages and the whole nonsense of his contract, etc. goes there, but they get away with it. No one says anything because they have the Galacticos kind of history it just feels like another scenario where they're cherry picking what they want and going about it whatever way they want and um, and obviously like you know it's a as far as money goes in the Spanish league it's a two horse race Barcelona even when they were going through the quagmire there when the whole thing with uh, Messi went on and they were selling players they were still bringing in fellas and not registering them because they didn't have money so Spain is a little bit of a mess in that regard where they do have rules and they are in place, but they just seem to kind of, Madrid in particular, flirt with these rules as if it doesn't really They could be hiding behind, um, behind the money. Generally, I don't know if it's a similar to England where with the infrastructure, they're, they're obviously pumping a lot of money into the redo and the burns they're burning about. So maybe that's why they can get away with it. But if anything's to be believed, his wages are quite modest. So maybe it's only the wages that get factored in because allegedly he's going to be on the big books but it's a signing on fee it's going to be spread over five years so maybe that doesn't count and that's how they've managed to cook it because it, it, like by all accounts his wages are around 100 grand a week Mark which are a dime a dozen nowadays but I think if the three or four or five or six hundred grand a week is coming in via the spreading out of his um, signing on fee so maybe that's how they've managed to find the loophole potentially it's still disappointing. I mean, if you look at Ryan Mbappe goes there, that that's a huge shift towards Madrid, regardless of what way you look at it. As far as European competition and Champions League goes, Mbappe is a big game player. I mean, there's he's he's almost a one of a kind these days with that kind of a profile. Uh, don't, don't get me wrong, Alfonso Davies isn't in the same bracket, but 23 years old, I think he he definitely has a ceiling that he hasn't reached yet. Um, but it just further strengthens what's already a very very powerful Madrid side and. They're slowly but surely kind of, you know, removing the Madrises and the Cruises and they're just coming out of that kind of second cycle of that team now and they're doing it seamlessly, uh, albeit with the help of a lot of financial backing. Um, but you know yourself, Madrid can do, have done this before. They've fallen on, I would say, tough times financially and then they get bailed out or they sell property or they 
you know, they, they pull the rabbit out of the hat. But, uh, yeah, the rest of Europe beware if this is the way they're going to go about their next year or two of business. Yeah. Okay, Neil, I'm going to stick with you. Ollie Watkins, he seems to be attracting a couple of big clubs, the attention of the big clubs. He's rated at about 60 million. Would you think he's worth taking a punt for any of the big teams? Uh, yes, massively. Big fan of his. Um, there's something about him where in Villa he seems to be very, very suited. I think the way they play to him, they're an attacking team. Everything is built around his runs and his ability to hold up the ball. He can score kind of close-range goals, headers, long-range he seems to have a very high ceiling as far as where he could go. Um, I don't know on the money-wise what you're going to get from as far as how many more years has he got for development. But at the minute, with that type of player, like we always say it when Hardy Kane, it was Hardy Kane, then who, then who. It's that type of you know proper number nine, old-fashioned, massive runner, massive energy. Um, he could. I feel like this, he's better than quite a few of the number nines uh, and more polished maybe uh, in the Premier League at the moment. I definitely think in the likes of Arsenal, I think he would be ideal insofar as what they need. Um, United, we would have said it maybe a month ago before Hoyland kind of picked up the baton and, and, and got his act together. Uh, you know, and it, things are happening for him, but you would have said at that time Watkins would be a better fit. So um, I think there'd be plenty of clubs interested in him at the right price. Uh, the question is, can Villa kick on? Uh, will it take a lot away from Villa? And does he want that kind of a challenge? But I think there'll be a lot of interest in him. Dave, he has 19 goals in 36 games this year. Who could take advantage of that with a move to their club? Uh, the three that jump out, not necessarily in order, but you know you've toured. Because, you know, you do need a second one. There's no two way. You can't just rely on Highland. Highland gets injured. You know, they're very ordinary again. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the, the two North London boys um, in uh, Spurs and Arsenal. Uh, Arsenal needs a striker without a doubt. Obviously, Tony's around as well, so we can't ignore that. But uh, Spurs as well, because everything's relied on Son. So I think maybe the two, if he's to get an upgrade, because there isn't that many, it's only Liverpool and City as well. So Liverpool probably are happy enough with what they have at the minute. Providing they all stay, City as well, because you've got Haaland, but then you've got Alvarez. So, yeah, it'd be Arsenal Spurs, and then, yeah, a, a potential battle with, with, with Haaland at United if needs be. Okay. Do you think if Salah leaves, which there's a, still a lot of talk about him in the summer, only probably because Klopp is mm-hmm. gone now as well, but there was rumours before that the whole Klopp thing. Do you think that's. Mm-hmm. Someone like Watkins could fit into a Liverpool or into well, it's not going to fit into a Man City as with Holland there, but Liverpool don't exactly yeah. have that striker, do they? No, but there's a certain Chilean who was a good hurler after watching them jump the hurdles yesterday to get on the pitch <laughs> when they when, when they scored. So <laughs> you know he's kind of stamped himself as the number main number centre forward, and then you've got Jota as well. So I think they're the two central guys. If anything, if Salah wants to go, it's that kind of winger that I reckon Liverpool will go after. Because you put them guys out there, I don't think they're the same player. I think they need to play central. So unless they're going as well, then I'd be more, me personally, I'd be more kind of, yeah, I'll take them if, if one of them two was to go as well. Okay. Uh, just a quick one, Neil. Thomas Tuchel's leaving Bayern at the end of the season. Strange, isn't it? Timing. 
Yeah, I, they, they like they've made a decision and they're not getting rid of him in the immediate. So they're giving him a chance to dig the kind of hole that he's in and see can he come good. Um, he seems to be getting a little bit damaged by this too because you most you know if you look at when Pep went into Bayern, you know they they won everything domestically that you would expect them to win, and now Tuchel's gone in there. Uh, this is obviously the whole Harry Kane joke as well. The one title you expect them to guarantee every season of the league, then maybe add the domestic cup. And um, this seems to be getting a little bit messy. And now this whole kind of furore around Alonso and you know replacing Klopp and being the next one in line, etc. And um, it's just overshadowing Tuchel. He's struggling. There's you know we see the kind of internal struggles with people coming out and talking about Bayern, etc. But um. Yeah, a funny thing is someone mentioned a, a kind of a comment where I kind of went, that's interesting to hear it, that uh, Tuchel is, is turning Bayern into what he did with Chelsea. Um, so this is kind of two jobs in a row now where he's gone in and he hasn't quite brought the club to where you think he would. Or and PSG, should. don't forget. And P- PSG. Like, I mean, there was a time, right? it was probably two years ago, we were saying Tuchel was elite, he was doing well in Europe. Um, he just seemed to have that thing about that ruthlessness when he came into Chelsea originally. I remember commenting saying he's gone in there, he's given everyone a chance and he's ruthlessly left people out of the squad. He's caught, He seems to be the type of guy that doesn't care what people think of him. And this Bayern thing now is damaging him a little bit that he can't manage a club of that stature and he can't bring home the bread where they've done so for the last 10 years almost seemingly. So, yeah, I'm not surprised he's gone. It, it, it seems to be the German way where they give him time to dig out. So, there was obviously no one in line to kind of uh, succeed him immediately, so they're going to let it play out to the summer. So that'd be an interesting watch, just where they end up and can they kind of steady the ship on the on the title running? Yeah, choose your jobs wisely. Um, I've heard quite a few people discussing that. I think Wayne Rooney and, and Roy Keane had that discussion there last week. Choose your jobs wisely because they could define you for a long time. Dave, strange story number two is David Moyes looks like he's going to be offered a contract. What the hell? <laughs> well, who that? Well, they won four tonight, so that probably helps as well. And I only seen the last half an hour of it. Football was quite pleasing on the eye, maybe because they were three or four one up. I don't know. I don't think the football is as foreign as people think it to be. Packetar was back today, which is a big help in terms of the pretty football. And uh, Jared Bone clicked into gear with a hat trick. Look, you know, I think the owners are, I'd have to commend them if they're ignoring the fans because Moyes has brought a bit more success and a bit more of a steal. This West Ham way, which distinct the average and mediocre in the middle of the table, but they play pretty football, is not successful. And um, if they have to play slightly, uh, not as pleasing to the eye, so what? If, if it can bring them success. Uh, they're eighth at the minute. They're going to be starting the European spots again. They're still in Europe. And uh, a big win today. And I, I think that's two in a row, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, or just the yeah. first one. I think they've broken them up. Yeah. Um, so this could be the catalyst to get, kind of get back up. They're only, they're level with Brighton and Brighton are in the last spot. So, uh, yeah. I think it's a clever move and I'll, 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 yeah, I'll, I'll finish off with the same thing. The owners, well done. If they, I think it's the right move. You know, as soon as they get rid of him, be another uh, three or four out, three or four in, and all of a sudden they could be sitting 13th or 14th. You can see how ruthless you can drop down that table. Sometimes stability is what's needed in some, some of these things. You know, a bit like Pochettino, a bit like Ten Hag. You stick with them for a year or two and see, can they turn it around and convince a few people? Maybe that's the answer. But 
for me, I think it's a sensible move. I've always thought it was. And, uh, yeah, uh, hopefully they'll eat some humble pie and he keeps them up in, in the top end of the table that they want them to be. Yeah, it's okay. a profile, isn't it? Right, a profile of the man. It's Moyes is kind of just nothing, mm. you know, revolutionary yeah. about him. You know, when you compare them to your Peps and your Klopp's, even Arteta, kind of young, hungry manager, and Moyes is just kind of this, you know, almost like a Roy Hodgson figure. You know, he's this old wily coyote that no yeah. one attributes any success or any style, or you know, it's almost fashionable to have a better manager. But not better on paper, not better by results, but better by his appearance or what people think of him. Um, and even the likes of Eddie Howe has fallen into that trap now at the moment. He was the golden boy this time last year. Now he doesn't seem to be able to do anything right and they're beginning to nip at him. You know, but you look at West Ham, they're in eighth place in the Premier League. They're ahead of Newcastle, they're ahead of Chelsea. You know, they're a couple of points behind you know, you're talking about that. They're not that bad off for a club that whinges so much that they don't play great football. Be very careful what you ask for. Yeah, uh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, it, it surprises me because there's, there's so much pressure on him and it just it just seemed to be that it was going to be his fate. But no, uh, the the board have spoken, so that's they're going to have to back him now and, and give him what he needs if they think that he can bring them on. OK, just to finish off, uh, the, the Europa League draw was made last week. We'll just quickly run over. I like the way Transfer Market, they have a little poster here. And they have the the value of the squad. So Sparta, Prague, and Liverpool. Um, Liverpool's eight hundred and sixty eight million worth team are playing Sparta, Prague's fifty five million euro team. Um, Neil, who wins that one? <laughs> well, let's hope we don't turn out the eight hundred million bottlers. Uh, let's, uh, <laughs> Red nose. <laughs> they, were, they, they were all saying like when the draw came out obviously it's a foregone conclusion but it should be a foregone conclusion it's a good draw to get there is a couple of big hitters still left in there um, so yeah Liverpool should should comfortably win that do. Now, depending on what bloody team that he can put when is it 7th of March or 8th of March or something like that so no excuses now Neil they're, 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 they're cup winners now so you know these are experienced kids well, now you, you, you can't play Jackson and the two uh, 200 million pound boys every week and, and overwall them so uh, maybe Prague will give them a better game Okay, uh, Marseille Villarreal Roma and Brighton is a really interesting game Dave um, both squads are nearly quite the same I think there's about 100 million between them but when I looked at Roma I seen them against Feyenoord decent but not okay for me Brighton will play them off the park yeah and does Zerbi being from Italy, might have a bit of inside track, have a bit of a... It's, it's a nice little one, because obviously Brighton, for them, stature-wise, Roma are a much bigger club. So this is going to be interesting to see how the players handle it, because this is a big name, a proper big name. Like They looked after Ajax quite well in the group stages, so if they can have that attitude, I don't see why not. But it, it, it's a nice little 50-50 for me now. That's, that's, a, that's one of the better toys for me now. That could be a cracker. Yeah, uh, Benfica Rangers. That's obviously ten nil Benfica. Freiburg versus West Ham. That's West Ham have a good chance in this tournament. That that'll be an interesting one. Sporting Atlanta, Milan, Slavia Prague, and of course, as Neil was probably hinting at and suggesting, Carabag versus Bayer Leverkusen. That's the that's the real threat, isn't it now? Leverkusen now it's almost inevitable Liverpool are going to draw them next or something pulling them together so <laughs> or, or the final football. yeah well that too we'd be all putting in for the lottery of tickets that uh, you just know you won't be lucky enough to get but we'll try but it's uh, 
yeah, it could be, could be some really cracking ties along the way, but uh, it's only at the interesting stage now, you know, you don't really pay too much attention to it before now, but there's some, some good ones in there. Yeah, and listen, we all know in Europe, sometimes you take yeah. teams for granted and you get your ass whooped, so you have to be very, yeah, very yeah, careful yeah. In, in Europe. Uh, just the Conference League, uh, one of the standout ties is Ajax versus Aston Villa. Uh, when you look through the rest of it, Aston Villa have a good opportunity, Dave, in this tournament. Uh, mm-hmm. Olympiacos, Fiorentina, Strumgratz, Fernabache, Club Bruges. But there's nothing amazing there that couldn't stop them from going on and uh, being the second Absolutely. English team to win it. Like you've, you've got the Claren Blues of West Ham who won it last year. There's no reason why not. Mm-hmm. And then there's this little slick manager Colleen and I Emery who loves the European competition and he's seen the stranglehold he had in the Europa mm. League so everything is there for them it's just if they get the job done now can I just uh, slip this in quickly before you finish up how mad were the owners or the, the, the guys who were the sponsors of Carabao FA how much did they enjoy themselves the, the, <laughs> because they get on the pitch and they're giving out their surf and signs then they're getting selfies with Klopp and I say he was the human I say he was the human and they had it was the like a pantomime there. villain <laughs> oh man I say the uh, I say the FA are going yeah we need to get rid of this shower <laughs> <laughs> Although they're probably paying some mad money, but I just thought they were hilarious. They just went for it. Fair play to them. I missed out on this. I didn't see this. I should have seen this. Gordon came out and yeah. they're all giving it to surfers, thumbs and baby fingers out and all this coming out onto the pitch. And as they were being handshook, one of them stopped and got a selfie with this is in the the, the pre match handshake and you can see Pre match, yeah. <laughs> I better I better let this go, but I'm not happy and then the kids, they had kids with them and they were shoving them in front of them and yeah they, they definitely got their money for it for whatever they paid for the sponsorship that's for sure brilliant, brilliant. I haven't seen drama since Salt Bay made it onto the World Cup final <laughs> stage <laughs> <laughs> it was right there, there okay we're going to leave it there Dave and Neil thanks very much again as always thanks for Good listening boy. and uh, we'll talk to you next week good luck